Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind with myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in their upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Um, Glad to be back, boys. Yeah, it's much um, better I, for you doing the intro, to be honest. I think so. We tried doing it. A bit of order. On it. I, was, order I listened back. You it just was... Guess and you're not on it. I listened to the start of it and <clears throat> chaos been, doesn't even begin been, to describe it. You must have been stuck for something to do with you. <laughs> I was out I, walking the dog. Tom took a phone said, call during the last episode. That's how little interest we had in this. Yeah, I, I barely listened to this when I'm actually on it. So it's like you listen back to it afterwards. It's like, that's pretty remarkable. But that's the commitment I have to putting some structure, some order into this. You could tell that there was no... Um, no running order on it for the last couple of weeks. Running order. <laughs> My God. Nothing like that I'm at surprised, all. I'm surprised you even remembered what teams you were covering. Even we though didn't. Jeff, has, Jeff <laughs> has promised to look at the at the Dragons as well this year. Jeff was good. Have you done that yet, Jeff? Uh, I've seen them once. When they played Munster? <laughs> yeah. And I'll see them. I missed them when they played Leinster. Did they play? They did play Leinster, didn't they? They did, yeah. It was a Sunday yeah. one o'clock or something, wasn't it? Yeah, Very yeah. memorable game that actually didn't didn't see that. I saw oh I did. I saw about half an hour of it. Um so yeah, you could say that me and Dragons are, are pretty tight now, actually, to be honest. Getting into it. We're getting into the building. It. We're getting into it, yeah. Gelling. Yeah, yeah. It's just I don't want to jump in too soon, you know. I've been hurt before. I wanna ease your way in. Yeah. Wanna ease my way in, you know. Yeah. That that sounds good. What have you been up to this week, Tom? Um just dealing with varying waves of sickness like today for example um, a little girl she's had a bit of a sniffle she's in crash so this is where all these sniffles come from Um, today she's coughing with the sniffle um, she threw up what she had been eating now she did this while she was sitting on my um, fiance's lap so um, in a bit of a panic I cupped my hands underneath her so she basically just puked into my hands so I was there walking over to the sink with like my hands cupped full of sick. And it's like, this was not on the brochure. <laughs> when they were talking about parenthood, this wasn't on it. But that's basically what I've been doing. Just being sick myself. Little girl being a bit off. That's it. That's all I do now. <laughs> that, that wasn't covered in the classes on the... Uh... What you call it, the maternity thing? No, no, I didn't see anything about like catching sick in your hands. Didn't see that. Didn't see anything on that now. Oh, no. Now, to be fair, I didn't really pay much attention to it. So maybe there was a slide in there about that. But um, yeah, it was certainly an interesting day or so today. Um, and I'm tired. I'm on autopilot. I'm on more autopilot than I normally am on this podcast. And what, and what about you, I, Jeff? I'm what have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? Uh Nothing really. I had a day today though. I went to three different financial institutions at two o'clock today. So two o'clock on a Wednesday. One was closed on Wednesdays. Why wouldn't you be? Um, and then the other two financial institutions of which like I have accounts in and pay money to, etc. quote unquote told me to just go home and do it online as if I hadn't already thought of that before driving the entire way to them to get the problem sorted. So I'm really glad they were 
there to and give me that enlightenment of why didn't I just try to do this myself first rather than I suppose ask the people I pay money to help me I, with this like, I, I, I just love being in here yeah. I love the, I love the I vibe just, in here I just kind of looked around and you know it's not the first time it's happened to be honest with you and the last time I thought the same thing I mean why even employ people there why not just have a sign that says just go home and do it yourself but what really upsets me is and I'm probably going on a bit of a rant here now and it's not a funny rant is like they've told me to go home and do it myself online I'm like okay I've tried you've given me a bit more guidance here I'll go home I'll try and figure it out but like if that was like I don't know I'm, I'm going to be maybe a little bit ageist here I don't mean to be like but if that was like my grandfather or my father like or me, me or me or Tom, because we're much older. Or you or Tom, you're all you're also very old. But like I'm just referring to my my dad or my my grandparents, like because I know they w- wouldn't be able to. And they're just told just go home and do it yourself. And you're like, yeah, but I don't know how. And you're like, oh no, no, it's all online. You're like, that's fantastic. I still don't know what to do. It's like saying, like, oh, I'd like to uh learn to speak French. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah just go home and speak French. Like, that's brilliant. Thank you. Didn't think of that myself. Um, have, have you tried? Have you have you have you thought about robbing the place? <laughs> is, is this because you keep having um, to pay Tom ten grand? Is it? Yeah, I've been like six ten grand out of pocket since this account tweeted. If you need ten grand, just get on to Jeff. And a uh, number of people have gone on to me saying, "Will you send me ten grand?" And I'm again like I'm a man of my word. So the prince in Nigeria keeps sending you the emails does he I have 10 grand's finding out falling out of my pockets left right and centre so um, yeah I don't know anyway that's my rant over I'm in a very negative space and I'm really glad we're on this podcast I'm really yeah. glad it's Munster Leinster week as well they're always quite light hearted and fun my, do you know what my favourite week is Monster Leinster week it's, a, it's a busy week yeah it's it's where curating your social media is uh, very important. Might stay offline for the rest of the week, to be honest with you. I've already had a touch of it, and I'm just like, nope, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, no. I've I've seen some of your engagements this week. Your um, your patience you, is being tested. You nearly had more crack at the bank, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Today, Today, I have well, I have been off coffee for nearly a month now. Just and today, because life was going too good. You decided to, yeah. I said, Do you know what? I haven't. I wasn't sleeping too well. I said, look, I just cut out a bit of coffee. That's your conscience. Uh, it's not the coffee. And I said, I've been throwing stuff over my uh, my staff too long, too long. So I'd better ease back on the coffee, treat them better, and. So I eased off coffee for a month and today I had a double shot. I'd say you could smell colours, could you? Oh, like it was like the only way I can describe it, it must be like cocaine. Because I was literally the heart was pounding. <laughs> I had my jaw was going. I was yapping away. It was like, come on, I'll go run through a brick wall. Come on, let's go to war, lads. Let's fucking yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah. Let's go fuck someone up. <laughs> come on. I've not felt that way after a coffee in a long, long time. I'm telling yeah, my, you, my tolerance levels are too high. Yeah, you know, you know, I have a can of Red Bull in the morning. That every morning, can't, that every can't morning. be healthy. Oh, that's not good. 
as breakfast that can't be good i'm not so, a nutritionist but i would probably say that's not um no i don't the think it's to good. go i don't think it's good i don't think it's yeah. good still do it but <laughs> yeah. oh not stop it i'm just acknowledging some, some, sometimes with young children it may be the only way to get through the morning <laughs> yeah this is one of those things i hope that like you know when i'm like 95 or whatever else i just say yeah drank a can of red bull every morning never did me any harm <laughs> We'll see, I suppose. As you twitch yeah. in the bed. <laughs> the thing is, it doesn't even knock a star out of me now. I remember when I was young and Red Bull first came out. That's what I was, started. Mid, mid, mid-90s? 90s, yeah. Mid-90s. Late 90, or 1998, I would say, if I was to put a number on my ass. Yeah, some, sometime around there. I remember drinking, going out all one night and drank nothing but vodka and Red Bulls all night. And I got, I was really drunk, drunk enough that, that when I got home, the room started to spin when I got into the bed. But I wasn't drunk enough to go to sleep because the Red Bull cake kept me awake. Oh, nightmare mode, so. Yeah. Climbing <laughs> the walls. Yeah. And the next not, day, you probably have the worst. Next day, you probably have the worst case of DTs that you've ever seen. Yeah, up and just it wasn't too bad the next day when you when I eventually got some sleep, but yeah, not good. No, like I I think it's like people because you know people ask me like is you know I tell them I drink a lot of Red Bull, just like oh you like drinking Red Bull on the night out? It's like put 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 vodka in that. No, if I drink it on a night out, what do I drink during the day? What's the point? I have one can water every day, one can every day, and um, I would never drink it on a night out. It's funny. Water is the real adult drink, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it's like my body's mostly water anyway. So it's like showing apple into an orchard is really, isn't it? <laughs> water into a way. Right, let, right, let's uh, get this show on the road. Uh, we'll kick off. Uh, Leinster Munster is the, the big game this week. Uh, it's on Saturday at half six in the Aviva. Uh, 45,000 tickets sold already for the match. So it could be close to a, a full house. Um, we'll kick off with Munster first this week then. They had a 10-3 win over the Stormers um, last week. Old school game. It was. That is very much an old school scoreline, isn't it? Yeah. I love those types of games because, you know, I edit footage for the AIL. I love low scoring games. Because it just means you've got four things to cut. <laughs> so four things to cut. Edit it in. Nice one. When I see a scoreline is like 38, 35, I'm just like, fuck off. Fuck off. But the names, putting the names in and editing in the names, that's the worst Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then changing the score, like fucking how many times? Yeah, so 10-3, I love it for many okay. reasons. Straightforward. Yeah, we can understand that. Um, Edwin and Dogbo with the uh, only try of the game. Um. Played in fairly poor conditions. Munster, Munster couldn't deal. It was, for me. It epitomised the almost the modern game. Munster couldn't deal with the box kick. Munster got destroyed in the scrum. They lost. I would say probably on edge the kicking game, but their line-out platform was good. And when they got into the red zone, are we back to the scrum not mattering anymore? Are we back to the scrum not mattering? Uh, for well, now. For now, no, it, for the moment. it only matters. It only matters when it matters. In this one, it didn't. I think. I think as well, though. Like 
Munster's defensive line-out negated the disadvantages in the scrum. Yeah. Given the, given the conditions. Yeah. The line-out is much more important than the scrum. I think his Munster's oh, line-out hasn't, hasn't been great. The line-out is far, far more important. It is, I would say, the most, it's the most important when it comes to, I'd say even, I'd put it ahead of kickoff receipts almost. Yeah. Yeah. The way, after the game, I said, like, that was a proper game. Proper, like, and it was, like, it was a proper, intense game. And it's something that my mentions kind of going. It wasn't that much of a spectacle, was it? It's okay. Someone else told me Jack Crowley didn't play well. It must have been, it must have been that what? player, the match medal, banging off his chest during that whole game that upset him. I don't know. But the thing is, like, if you can't see the spectacle in a game like that, where there's fucking shots going in like that, the scrum is so important, where everything's so tense and like one mistake and the game turns and like, and that's all the way to the end of the game. I don't know. Maybe just start watching highlights. Maybe that, maybe that might suit you. But I'm looking at it, like, as you mentioned, Jack Crowley there, very mature performance from him, I thought. In the conditions, I thought his game management was actually really good. Thought he managed the game really well. He did. He put Munster into the right positions. Munster, to be fair, they they didn't deal with the box kick very well, particularly in the first half. Yeah, that was but a bit of a nightmare. They did what I think a couple of the Irish teams have done to the South African teams: is they've kicked long and played the territory. So yeah. if you can play territory and have a line-out platform, you can generally do well. You can get by without without the other bits of your game necessarily performing at optimum levels. Some of the fucking shots though in this game. It's a very physical game. And like Evan Ruiz and Engelbrecht and um, Andre Smith needling Fouche. Big fucking hits. Two man shots as well most of the time. It was a game where Munster were trying to run back the majority of what the Stormers kicked to them. And the Stormers kicked very often. Um, And they kicked with a kind of a they might go for one or two phases and then they would kick. And um, I think Shane Daly actually had the second most amount of carries behind Gavin Coombs. Even ideas to how often he was running back. But like Munster were trying to play with the ball in hand. We're trying to play phase possession in horrible conditions and uh, in really oppressive defensive um, work from the Stormers. Um I thought overall, though, I thought Munster deserved to win it and maybe could have won it by a bit more. Um, it's 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 weird because like you know like Stormers were very were, were very good. I felt, but I thought Munster handled the game quite well and managed it overall. I would say enough to the point where they deserved to win. I think so. I think Munster they got the try before with through a dog ball before half time. And they they came did they get over the line or they were very close to scoring the other side Start of half the half. I think half, if they yeah. yeah if they had scored there I think they would have potentially pulled away um and and done better on it I think it left the once it was back within one score it left the the stormers in it and they continued to to push on um kept hope in it Munster closed it out pretty well um. They were never in too much danger. The game was pretty much played between the twenty twos for most most of that second half, um, and they've 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 done well through it. Picked up two bad injuries though with um, Jack O'Donoghue and Peter Almani 
both who look to be out for the for the Leinster game. The the clean out on Jack O'Donoghue looked horrendous. Um, and I, th- I missed that clean out. I actually can't remember it at, at all. Um, oh, he he got absolutely. He got it looked like he got his leg stuck in the ruck, and then someone cleaned him out, and he just sort of oh, bent say over. No more. Yeah, that sounds horrific. Yeah, it actually sounds horrific. It, it actually looked like the one he had one in a was it a UR no not a URC a Pro fourteen or a Pro maybe a Pro twelve final semi final in the RDS where he he got a really bad knee injury I think it was um year, years oh, ago oh I do remember it yeah 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 it was something sim almost similar to that he got he got clean up but somehow he got back onto his feet and back into the defensive line for the last for the last couple of phases of it um, yeah. And uh, Peter Romani has a shoulder injury um, and is likely to be out. And of course, then we had um, late breaking news this evening that Peter Romani is to step down as the Munster captain. Yeah, after 10 years. Exactly. You know, that's ten, imagine 10 years as captain. Yeah. Most guys don't even get 10 years as a pro. Yeah. Never mind <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, phenomenal. Um, I remember Dunnick O'Callaghan telling a story uh, a long time ago. I think it was. I think it's in his book, actually. Maybe that's where I read it. It actually was. That's exactly where it was. It was in Dunnick O'Callaghan's book. And he said back when O'Mahony was in the academy, um, they were training with the senior side. And at the end of the session, the senior fellas said they'd hang back and do some extras. And Dunnick O'Callaghan said something. The academy lads started walking away. And O'Callaghan said something like, you're not doing the extras with us or something like that. And kind of they all turned around anyway and they kind of looked at O'Mahony and O'Mahony walked back and they did the extras anyway. But afterwards, O'Mahony went up to Donegal O'Callaghan, who would have been an Ireland international, um, I'm pretty sure a line as well by the stage as well. And uh, he walked up to him afterwards anyway and he said, we're on a special program to avoid burnout. Don't ever put us in that position again. And just turned around and walked away. And Donnacho Callum was like, it was at that moment, like um, it was at that moment that I knew straight away, like he's he's here for the long haul, like he's going to be a captain. Like, and I remember, well, clearly it would have been ten years ago. Um, I remember he, the the monster captaincy was up for grabs, or there was a new captain incoming, or whatever. Obviously, like if, uh, whatever. And I remember thinking at the time, if someone was to make a bet on O'Mahony, it's a sure win. And a friend of mine went into the bookies, like I don't bet like, but a friend of mine went into the bookies and asked for the odds on O'Mahony being the next captain. And the, this true story is that, and the bookie said, we're not taking bets on that anymore. And it was like, all right, fair enough. Like it was that kind of sure thing that it was going mm-hmm. to be him. So two two nice stories, one probably nicer than the other. But that O'Callaghan story, I always remember it like just the way he said, like an academy kid just turned around and very sternly said, "Don't ever do that again." And it's like that takes a lot a lot of bottle. Like, you know, to senior players like that, yeah. Um, as we we're saying, Tom, Tom, hell of achievement to go ten years as captain with one team. Like mad. Like when you look at the unbreak unbroken line from himself to Doug Howlett to Paul O'Connell to Anthony Foley to Jim Williams and like it's just it's mad that he was in that position for 10 years like it's, you know like as I think you said on, on Twitter some of his careers aren't that long 
He's mm. master captain at what, 21? Something like that? In his 12th cap? Like, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see who they go for after that. Like, <laughs> who'd you pick? Who come close? I, I knew you'd go Tygburn. Tygburn would be a, a, a kind of a fairly safe decision to make, I would say. Nobody mm. would nobody would argue with that and go, it's a wrong, it's a wrong choice. I, I think there's, there's other guys that you could go with that are a lot younger, but are they assured of their place in a starting 15? I would say that when you make that choice that they are, like, I think yeah. Craig Casey's going to be in that discussion, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, the, with the aura he has as, as, a, as, a, as a leader, because he does have that aura. I if remember chatting to James Hume uh, maybe two years ago, and he said that when he was brought into Ireland camp for the first time, etc., uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was welcomed in this whole jazz. And I remember asking him who in that Ireland camp did he look at and say, oh, okay, that's the level I need to get to. And he said, Craig Casey. And that was maybe two years ago. I think he's got that leader vibe about him. Because like, I remember when was it? I think it was Munster playing Zebra. I think it was in Tolman Park a few years ago. It doesn't really matter anyway. Um, Thomas O'Hearn scored a try. And dotted the ball down in the corner instead of going under the posts. He looks over at Craig Casey who was fucking shouting at him. He should have gone under the posts and he was just like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And that stuck out to me even then how Craig Casey was kind of barking around at guys like that at that age. And he does have that leadership vibe about him. So we'll see how it goes. Like you've got other fellas like Jack Crowley's a fella who could do it as well. Yeah. If you Gavin, want to go Gavin Coombs maybe. Like he would certainly be a certain starter. He's a certain um, starter, yeah. And he also, he I've seen him talking a bit to, ref, to refs as well. But that's, I suppose, if you want to go with a long term, like to continue with the what, what you had from Omani, somebody who's going to be the club captain for, you know, five seasons, six seasons. I'm not sure if that's Byrne. Like Byrne might be a kind of a, a placeholder and, guy. Yeah, an interim sort of. Yeah, for yeah, two or three right. years while, while other fellas kind of mature. Because like, the thing is, the captaincy means nothing and everything in some ways because like it is just kind of who talks to the referee to a certain extent on the day right but it's about the aura you give off as a as, as a as a as a character in the group as well and you can't fake that either like you can call a fella the captain but everybody knows if they are or they aren't do you know what I mean like it can't be artificial it's a, it's a big choice well, the other thing is, it's not necessarily a choice. It's voted on, isn't it, by the players? I think the coaches make the decision. I think that the coaches decide who they want in the conversation first, and then they speak to the leadership group, and they kind of go from there. I'd be Reckon, surprised if coaches didn't get the final say in that. Yeah, because like typically whenever I've seen it happen, the coaches have looked at, well, these are the two guys that we want to look at. We'll speak to the leadership group, and we'll make a decision on it then we'll kind of get their input and then we make the decision because like if you're a coach you know who you want to be the captain so you kind of don't want to leave that in the hands of democracy to a certain extent (laughs) (laughs) so you want to kind of go okay we know who the captain is we just kind of have to get everybody on board and then announce it rather than be going we're putting three fellas up and you know two fellas are two guys you don't want like (laughs) that's not going to work so they'll they'll pick and go from there but uh, it's a, it, it is a big choice because it's a choice that uh, like 
no monster coach has had to make since Rob Penny. Was he the last one to pick a captain? No, no, no. He was, yeah, he was. Yeah, no, he would have been time, time wise. Yeah, because remember Simon Zebo called um, him from the Lions tour, but you know, with Dougie retiring, he's talking about the the captaincy and that prank. Oh yeah, yeah, Rob Penny, yeah, last monster Penny. coach, Jesus. pick a captain. Jesus, this is how long ago we're talking? That's about. going back a long while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a lot of people have said like, "Oh, why, why now?" Yeah, I was kind of questioning that myself. I only heard the news when you texted in, what, maybe an hour or two ago. Yeah, um, like, I, I I've think... been offline all day just having a bad day. But cause I think... if I was online, it would have solved my day. But yeah. online is what you need to do. You just need to work that out. Maybe I should have just yeah. gone online to find out the news about Peter Manny. Maybe the banks are onto something there. Like, <laughs> I don't think that this was a surprise to Munster. I'd be surprised if it was. Like, I don't think this happened this week. I think that this would have been in the offing for a while. Because, you know, players keep the coaches involved as to where they're at and what they're doing and stuff. So I think Do this would think- have probably been in the in the air for a while, but like, they wouldn't announce it until the lads were back from the World Cup. Do you think it's to do with the Ireland captaincy? That, like, if you if you think about it, one one of the changes I think wasn't it last time that um, Paul O'Connell stood that down was to take O'Connell. on. Yeah, he took on the Ireland captaincy and stood down for Munster. Yeah, that's when Doug Holler took over. It yeah. could be, it could be like it depends on whether he's going to play or not. And I suppose that that's kind of still up in the air because he's, you know, thirty four, thirty five. Um, I think he'd make a good captain for Ireland, but it's all it's all down to whether he wants to play or not. Because obviously, you know, people will be just like, "Well, he's not a certain starter for for Ireland." It's just like, have you watched the last two years of Irish rugby? Do you know what team you're talking about here? Like well, he I mean, would there, be. There are, would, there are only four Irish back rows if you look at Andy Farrell's selection. <laughs> so, like, he, like I mean, if it's a case that he's going to play on for the next season or two, I think he'd be a really solid choice. But that's a complex decision as well though because you know you're looking at the likes of James Ryan would have his hat in the ring the likes of Ring Rose uh, Ryan Beard all For these the guys next, like, Ireland, next Ireland captain I think yeah. I'd be surprised if James Ryan didn't get it yeah it's an easy decision to make really isn't it I'd be very surprised if he didn't get it yeah but yeah no like I said it's, it, it is a remarkable achievement though for Romani to go 10 years as a captain in any sport really but to do it in a sport like rugby and to do it, you know, especially last year to finish off with it, lifting a trophy with Keith Earls as well, that's pretty special. Yeah. In terms of then Munster against Leinster. Um, we talk about Leinster Scarlets first, will we? Okay, we're going to Leinster Scarlets. Leinster uh, won 54-5 against Scarlets. Sure. Um, was it a resounding win across the on the, the scoreboard um, and Leinster played quite well in patches but there was a certain point that Scarlet's caused them a few problems in that that maybe don't show up there I thought um, Scarlet's attacked the breakdown quite well and disrupted what Leinster were trying to do um, outside the first what was it 15 20 minutes when well the game was pretty much over Like, what was it Scarlet's got a card within 20 seconds yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Scarlett's had a yellow card within 20 seconds. They kicked off 
Leinster dealt with it dead all the time in the world to be fair to to deal with it and then they chased out was it Ringrose who got tackled off yeah. second I think it was at second phase or was it even first yeah. I don't know but like we're looking at second Head phase contact and literally then like I think there was a whistle blew for a knock on or a penalty I don't know what like but then suddenly you see Holly Davidson running back for TMO check and you're like oh I wonder what happened here like maybe it was a I don't know, a neck roll or something. And then you're looking at it and you're like, that must be the earliest card in URC history. That simply must be. Um, and it was so dumb. Like it was so yeah. unnecessary. The ball's gone. It's probably this, it's well, it is. It's the second dumb card against Leinster in successive weeks. That elbow. By Welsh team. Yeah. That elbow from that yeah. Dragons player last week, followed by this late hit that was and I I understand it to a degree like you want to get a shot in but it's like that sh- the, there was another yellow card for the Scarlets later on um, probably lucky he didn't get a red for it in the second half and uh, just doesn't hinge enough and like if he hinges he's he's going to mill him like he's still going to absolutely smoke him just doesn't hinge enough and you're kind of looking at it and you're like why like you had all the time in the world there to hinge same way this guy 20 seconds into the game had all the time in the world not to reef that elbow up in that tackle and you know bring him above the horizontal etc get your shot in by all means but just make it a legal one I just don't understand it I think with Leinster as well like you're looking at how they brought in so many of their internationals back and that can be a bit disrupting as well you alright? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, no. it. yeah. <laughs> it just it, it's it, like that can be tough as well because, like, you know, Dan Sheen, I know he's played a bit of, a good bit of rugby for him. You know, if you're looking at ring rolls coming back in, uh, James Ryan, uh, Joe McCarthy, you know, all these guys coming back in, that can't like that, that is going to be a bit disruptive as well. So their systems against, aren't going to be full Scarlets or against Leinster. Well, no, like as in, like Leinster would be the, they would be a little bit disrupted. But you're looking at that's that's like getting up and running and getting to be on to be the, the Leinster we know. Like they're, like they're not going to look like like that straight away. I think with the number yeah, of guys yeah, they had yeah. coming back in. But plus, as well, I mean, Scarlet's kind of jacked this game in before they arrived, really, didn't they? I don't know. The like you could look at the first quarter, right? And uh, I might get a bit of repercussion in this now, uh, to be honest. But listen, I don't really mind. You look at that first quarter. There was a really good uh, um, transition try scored by Sam Prendergast. And Jameson Gibson Park gave the pass. Superb. But you look at the initial turnover and James Ryan's on a knee. Um, gets allowed, he's allowed to do it like, and he's called first man in. And listen, these are the swings and roundabouts you get. But you probably look at that. And another day, a ref will be like, no, you're on a knee there. Can't poach that. And again, it, it would be a fair call. You look at, um, was it their third try? And I think Doris makes a tackle on the right touchline and it's a shoulder to the head, um, essentially. Like there is head contact there. So again, it's allowed play on. And again, it's just one of those things that are missed. But you take out, and I know you can't, but like, I mean, Leinster go 19-0 up really, really quick in that game, just kind of like we assumed. I think I said if 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 you turned on the game after 20 minutes and 
Scarlets weren't 20 points down, they'd be doing well. After 20 minutes, they were 19 points down. So I suppose they were doing something okay. But you look at that second quarter, they caused an awful lot of problems. Even the first 10 after the half, they caused an awful lot of problems. Like they were hitting that breakdown really, really hard. They were changing pictures when they did it. Um, Some of that come down to inexperience at 10. I don't know. I think a big part of it, to be honest with you, and a big part of Leinster's dominance in the game as a whole, especially in that first half, um, and especially in that first 20, was their defensive line-out. Like, I mean, you look at Scarlett's first line-out, Leinster stopped that mall dead. Second line-out, they spoiled them all, so they spoiled their possession. They stole the next two. They conceded a penalty on that fifth one. They were just too early pouring through. That's fine. Next one stopped them all dead. Um, next one, Scarlett's tried them all faint off the tail, but ultimately that stopped dead as well. And they're obviously trying the faint because they're getting no purchase on them all either. Next one, they actually try a trick play to the front and it stopped dead. It's a no-lift line-out and it's just a quick ball to a player coming through it. And again, stopped dead, boom, no problem. The one after that, it's a steal. Um, the one after that, it's actually their, probably their best line-out and, um, or maybe their second best line-out of the game. But they faint, they maul faint, and it's a forward pass off the maul faint. And you're like, Jesus Christ, you're finally getting purchase here. And this is what you're doing. But that comes as a result of the pressure. That was their first one in the second half. So they're probably looking at those first half lineouts and they're thinking, well, you know, we're getting absolutely nothing here. That when they finally did do it, maybe they over just a bit over eager. Um, the second defensive lineout from Leinster in the second half showed one of the worst free kicks from an attacking lineout I've ever seen. I sent it on to you earlier. Oh, one yeah. of the Scarlet scrum half <laughs> yeah. or one of the Scarlet second rows literally just jumps straight across into the Leinster lineout. Like he doesn't look to impede or anything. Like it's almost like the Leinster lineout is a bouncy castle wall and he's just leaping into it. That's the best way I can describe it. And even Holly Davidson, like she can't put the whistle to her mouth fast enough. She's just like, no, what are you doing? It's it reminded me of a lineout from the 1970s where everyone kind, just leans across into each other and just tries like to that. stop the other person jumping. It was and that he, and, he, and even there was a Leinster lineout then um, earlier on. I can't remember what number it is now top of my head, but I can find it if you want. And I think the Scarlet's tight head was at number one in the lineout. So he's facing Kelleher and he's just waving a hand in front of, I think it's Porter's face. He's just literally, he has his hand right across and he's just waving it straight into his face as if, look into my eyes, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to mess up this line-out. But Leinster's defensive line-out was top drawer in that game. And you compare it to their own line-out in that game. I mean, very first one, strong maul. They had a clean off the top, strong maul, clean off the top, another good maul. Their mall was stopped off. The next one was a really good possession, really good feint, nice short, clean exit from their own five meter. Like there was only one messy line out, but it was still clean ball and clean possession, I suppose, at the end. Um, because the line, the 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 mall that followed was a bit was a bit messy. But you compare Leinster's line out to Scarlet's line out, both D and attack, it is absolutely night and day the possession that Scarlet's were allowed off that set piece. And I mean, you look at those defensive ones I've mentioned, I only mentioned what, maybe 12 of them, maybe top of my head. But like you're looking at those 12, they're 12 starters. Like they're 12, you can run a set piece off it. You can do something off it. 
this is going to spark your attack and absolutely spoiled, completely and utterly spoiled by Leinster. Now, Owen, you put up something earlier today, I think on Twitter, you, or you mentioned it in the group, one or the, actually you mentioned it in the group actually when we sent that video of, um, of Leinster using their halfbacks at hooker and nine in defensive lineouts. Um, I think that it's a good option to be honest because it frees up uh, the it frees up a couple of players to maybe go into that back line, etc. I don't think it'll pose too much of a problem, even if teams opt to peel to the front. Um, I don't think Leinster would do it off a five meter line or anything like that. Um, I think it's too. No, they've 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 only been running that, and they've been running it consistently actually all season. I went back and looked through a couple of others. I've seen Ross Byrne in there before on, on other matches. So what they're doing is they're making in this in this one you could see it. Sam Prendergast is actually standing as the hooker at the yeah, front yeah. of the line out in that five meter channel, and they've used that for their out halves consistently this year. Um, and what they're doing is they're putting. Van der Fleer, in this case, they were putting Van der Fleer and Kelleher into the sort of the the 10, in around the 10 channel. So they're blocking that up for the hard sure. runner. So but happy days. I mean, even if you do decide then, okay, we're going to go front line out. I mean, front line out is probably the easiest to defend mall wise because you've touchline there too. And even if they do go front peel, you're kind of like, well, we still have touchline there. And you'd back I, your, I you'd think back your, you, you would back your 10 though to be that physical there. Like you would. You'd have to. I don't. I don't know. I think. There, I think there's a move in in the lineout that you were that you were talking about there with uh, the Scarlets um, second row jumps across stupidly and gives away. The I don't. Kick. I don't think that was a move to be honest. I think. No, no. I don't think that that was a planned move. That was just something stupid he did. But I think what what you could see there was they actually isolated Prendergast at the front, whether they meant to or not. What they did was they dragged everyone to the back to the fifteen. I yeah. think you can do something there and either throw in towards someone coming around on a front peel or you, you do something where you get a, try to get a, a sort of a two-on-one or something or even a two-on-two where you can get a bigger runner at the front of that trying to target them. Um, yeah. Or either that or you try that that sort of, um, what you call it? Do you know that duck the, move that uh, Len- or Ulster tried a couple of weeks ago? That was tried over in England. Do you remember? Uh, oh yes, for the for the guy no jump line out. Yeah, and the front just ducks, and the ball goes to the runner coming through. The the other one is that you you could potentially do it off the back where you have a pod at the back who goes up, picks it, and throws it down yeah. to someone at the front Pitch. and sets sets them all there, and then you're almost dragging the ten to either come in and help with the mall defence, or you're you're effectively a man short, which is what what they're trying to do. They're trying to create the block up the midfield space but you're creating space on the short side if you ta- yeah. if you attack it in the tight I think though it's a lot easier to defend that short side nine times out of ten it it's is my and own it, look, opinion it's, but. it's a clever it's a clever way from Leinster particularly for Prendergast to to effectively hide him there in, in the defensive scheme like you used to see players like the out halves or remember who's it Ian Humphreys for Leicester used to, they used to put him out onto the wing yeah so that no one would at- no one would attack down the ten channel, and and oh, sort but of it make, makes it, it makes way. sense because a lot of the time when those runners come down a ten channel, you pick any team, you watch any team this weekend, I guarantee it, and you see a runner come out of ten, that ten is pretty upright most of the time, yeah. and if you can save that punishment for your old half, and you can save that expended energy of being a speed bump for the sake of one big runner, 
just by sticking them on a touchline for a couple of seconds. You're laughing. You're absolutely laughing. The other thing that I noticed about Leinster, particularly this season, is how they've changed their defensive scheme. They've gone very much, I would have said for the last couple of seasons, they have been very much about getting as many people on their feet and into that defensive line as possible. Um, they're not looking, they weren't looking to counter rook or to jackal um, at the breakdown. Whereas I think they've been much more aggressive in their opening they rounds have. of the U- yeah, URC yeah, yeah. at the breakdown. They're going at it early and they, they're going at it, um, putting numbers into it, into the breakdown to try and um, not necessarily jackal too much, but to actually try and drive over. Yeah, there um, was one. There was one at the start of the Scarlets game where I think it was really early on in the game. Now they ended up giving a penalty away, I think, but they are absolutely murdering the breakdown. They're this the one. It's one breakdown, and they must be at it for twenty seconds, just throwing lads into it. And I think they eventually gave away a penalty, but like the last season, you would have just seen. 14, 15 guys on their feet just waiting for you to say, right, just kick the ball. Whereas now they're yeah. just nuking it, looking to change that picture. Um, yeah, I noticed that as well, yeah. Um, and I, I, that's going to be so important for Saturday because what you'll have is Munster require quick ruck ball to get to sort of to set up their multi-phase attack. Munster want to go wide. They want to go touchline to touchline and they require quick ball. Ideally, what Munster want to do is have as few people going into the rucks they, they need to be efficient at getting one or two guys into a rock and getting that ball away quickly so that they can run their patterns. Leinster will look to attack, and I think maybe more so in the wider channels rather than narrow against the, the rock ball. And I think how Munster build, particularly their pack, will decide how effective they can be in that. And I think that's, to me, that's going to be important. Like, I think they could potentially start with Klein, maybe try and get 50 or 60 minutes out of him and a dog bow and maybe play burn at six. And that gives them enough of a a big build within there. So you, you add someone like, you know, yeah, you, you add uh, John Ryan to that, um, Gavin Coombs, you have enough big guys that will go in there that will be required to hit those breakdowns and clear it and make the physical presence in there to secure that ball, particularly with a man gone who is so good at securing sort of attacking rock ball. I think it's in the middle of the field that you need to press Leinster as well at the breakdown because they're they're quite good at just getting sticky possession there. And they'll have looked at Munster over the last couple of weeks and gone, you know, we can absolutely get at them at the breakdown. And if we do, then they're way less effective. Like we've seen that happen at the, uh, in Benetton, we've seen it happen up in Ulster, parts of the game against the Stormers. So that element of their game is going to be hugely important, I think. And how Munster react to it is going to be equally as important. How the ref deals with it is going to be equally yes. important. Because you can have someone like we, we've seen with in previous games, you have someone like, and not having a goal, but there are different interpretations from different referees of how they deal with the breakdown. Someone like Frank Murphy you can get absolute wild west in terms of entries and things like that because he wants to see a flow of a game or he decides that something is, um, I suppose, he wants to be hot on something. Other refs can be very particular. Um, and how the referee adapts, I think it's uh, Chris Busby is the ref for, for the game on Saturday, how he 
refs that breakdown uh, and deals with it, it will be really important because I think the if you go back to the semi-final in the URC at the Aviva last year, the penalty count was 12-5 in Munster's favour. And I think they gave away, of those five penalties, they gave away at least two or three in the opening five to ten minutes. So they had a really low penalty count within that that stopped Leinster gaining what it, what is and they use so well is once they get the penalty, they kick it down long, they have their line out, they have another launch play, all the stuff that Jeff talked about with their line out and how, how effective they are. They get that and they're suddenly playing deep in your own half. And it has to be that Munster are going to have to keep their discipline and keep that going to stop giving Leinster easy access into the Munster half and into the Munster 22 in particular. Who are we going for? Um, saying that, I think looking at looking at what I think of the uh, teams, like I mean, Munster without uh, Jack O'Donoghue and Peter Romani, Klein is going to be back. Um, remains to be seen whether Ali Jaeger uh, will come off the bench or be on the bench. I suppose. Um, if he's not, that's a big bonus for Leinster. I think. Has he uh, landed? Once, he is, yeah. yeah he's, he's, training, he's training. Oh, is he? yeah. Training this week, yeah. Oh, very good, very good. So I presume it's going to be how how quickly he can get up to speed <laughs> on that. Um, I think for for Leinster they have Conan and Henshaw back in. Um, whether that is a positive for them or not, I don't know. Um, because neither has looked particularly good I would say over the last six plus months um, even at world, even at the World Cup for both of those um, carrying injuries maybe they're back fresh but we haven't seen much from them the guys who have been there you look at the likes of Osborne and stuff have played really well for Leinster um, how they integrate those two those two back in and I think Leinster are not necessarily while they will be targeting this and looking for some sort of call it revenge or whatever for for the URC semi-final Leinster also have to look for the next couple of weeks because they're getting into what will be a big game for them because they're going to have they're away to La Rochelle in a couple of weeks so they're going yeah. they have I think it's Connacht away and then I think it's La Rochelle away over the next couple of weeks that's they're going to have to plan out for that and try and reintegrate the internationals back into it so getting those guys back in up and running may it may impact their co- the cohesion that they need um on it I still think where Leinster are their squad the whole lot at home I say Leinster by maybe seven to ten points yeah I think um I think Leinster and again recording this with no teams or anything like that, I think Leinster will go as heavy as they can. And I think Munster will too. Um, I'd actually, I think I'd be a bit surprised if they didn't. Either team, like you look at Leinster, I know they were without uh, World Cup players at the start, but um, they start coming in, kind of being peppered in for that first game. They play a lot of them last week. I think it's kind of building up to full metal jacket against Munster. I think Munster will... I think Klein will start um, in there. Um, and they'll look to go as heavy as they can as well. 
but yeah, I think it might be a Leinster win now myself, to be honest with you. Um, and I think Tom, who has yet again for the second week in a row left the podcast, would probably say Leinster as well. I'm just going to just, con- say yes. He, he's gone for Connacht in this one. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, we'll move, move on to Connacht, speaking of them. Uh, they had an impressive... Well, I won't, won't say impressive. Well, they had a very good win against the Sharks. They won uh, 13-12 uh, at the weekend um, to, with a, an impressive start to the season for them. Um, they've rotated a lot of young players in. Uh, and I think there's a lot of the, the youngsters and new signings are starting to, to stand out for them. I know we've talked previously about the likes of um, Joe Joyce, um, Hanrahan, another who got a man of the match. Um, I said it last I think, week. I don't know if you listened as far as this. I think it was last week or the week before. I'm pretty sure I said that JJ Hanrahan, or maybe I said at the start of the season, I said that he'd be the difference maker this season for Connacht. I said he's, remember we did the one to watch and yeah. one to, is there a one to watch and a, a new or a young player or something like that? I can't remember yeah. what it was, but I picked him for both. And I was like, he is going to be a banging signing for Connacht. And so far he has de- absolutely delivered. He's been so good. He has, he, he, he has added a little bit more consistency, I think, than than Jack Carty in terms of managing the game and getting him into the right the right spots, etc. I think took he's, the words out of my mouth. There's no hot and cold. Uh, it's just yeah, bang. Like every yeah, time, there's no hot. It's and not. Cold. It's it's not perfect, but it's there's a level of consistency there that you can work on. Um, I think he 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 adds value in terms of their running game. It's it he suits the the conic style, um. And but I also think like they've they've got a lot of the youngsters. Um, who's the guy who plays with the Ralston? Is it the the winger who plays with the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Ralston. You know, yeah. Brian Ralston. Yeah, he he's he's impressed me. He 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 doesn't necessarily stand out too much at times, but he just does things really well. Um, he's a sol- he's a solid player. He's really yeah. solid. I thought um, Hawkshaw coming on. Um, what you call it? Hawkshaw coming on was was excellent. He added some some real sort of uh, what way can I put this uh, urgency almost within yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. To the thing, I the other the other thing, the, or sorry, one of the biggest things that I that I took away from the the Connacht Sharks game was Connacht had the bigger pack. Yeah. Connacht had the heavier pack than the Sharks. And it's like you, you you look at the Sharks and all their big signings and the big South African players and you talk about the size of South African teams and Connacht were what, about 15, 20 kilos heavier in the pack? Sharks isn't, that an, is, isn't that a narrative though that was um, even at the World Cup at the Springboks yeah, was, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And everyone talked about how big and how heavy etc. they were and like man to man like on average they weren't. Like yeah. it's... Yeah, it's a think, it's a funny it's a funny old narrative that's probably I suppose drawn from springback packs that contain the likes of Bakis Bota and Yeah, of the past. John exactly. Smith, etc. Yeah. I think there's no doubting though that the sharks are in a fucking horrible place. Like what uh what a place of woe and wallowing 
they must my be. god like they were in full on bozo mode for the entire game worst, oh, it, worst, worst thing is like they could have won it the thing, like, and the thing is they should have won it they had a kick yeah, to win yeah. it yeah. <laughs> that your man bought a Chamberlain I would say he makes 8 times out of 10 and it's just like that's just how bad things are for the Sharks at the moment that that was always going to go white <laughs> because I, the thing, things are so bad sorry, I think the, the thing that I took away from it was they offered nothing in attack it was literally from a from a defensive point of view all Connacht had to do was get back up and make their tackles yeah or just and, right, throw the ball out and, to Werner Cox so he can like run into contact like Blanca from Street Fighter <laughs> If you if you even think about the tries, like what was the try? Tiernan O'Hanlon and switched off completely. Never played the whistle and and let them. Um, oh my days! The... Yeah, jeez, I forgot about that. They almost high fived each other as he ran in. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah, do you hear the, the whistle? No, I'm just going to keep going. All right, why would you here. Why would you stop playing? Like, and like why... for someone so experienced as well. Oh, I I like. That was my first thought when watching that was literally not oh knock on not anything. It was just why would you stop playing there? And if anything, he, if anything, it's a chance to get a good shot in on a guy. Like yeah, even if the ref is blown, and if the whistle, whistle goes, yeah. then you're like, oh, oops, sorry. Oh, I didn't but hear like, it. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I don't know. That was a strange one. Like you look at the Sharks, their last two games, like lost by two points away to to Zebra, lose by a point at home to Connacht. They have dragons now this weekend at home. And I know this is not a Sharks podcast. I'm well aware. But like, <laughs> there's a little bit of me now, probably because I've watched the dragons so much, but there's a little bit of me like, that's like, that could be a dragons win in South Africa. Unless like the Sharks really just get grouped. Like it genuinely could be a dragons win in South Africa. I think if the dragons win, Plumtree is in, is in trouble <laughs> with the Sharks. I think he's already in trouble. Like it's really unfortunate because like he's he was expecting to have like okay well look we're gonna have Ibn Estevet back we're gonna have Bongi and Bonambi back we're gonna have Vincent Cock back and all these other guys and like Mbonambi and, and Cock are out for God knows how long now so like straight away you know, you know Ox and Che as well like so like they they will improve just with the, with the players coming back in but their system looks like just again bozo mode like what are they doing. It's yeah. To be honest with you, they they have and but this has been something with the Sharks all along. I thought they've signed big name players and they're putting the budget into that, but they don't necessarily have the whether it's the coaching or the structures there. And I think I've I've always I've said this for a long time around sort of the game management and the sort of the structure how they how to get through a game where they play, um, on the pitch and how the, how they manage that has been poor with the South African sides. I think if you look at someone, there's a big difference between how the how the Sharks are going about it and maybe someone like the Bulls. Like you, you look at what the Bulls have done with their squad. They've developed or they've taken a lot of the young South African talent that are not necessarily on the Springbok radar and they've kept them together and they've added players who have experience from the Northern Hemisphere, like the Goose and others, to try and help manage that. And I think they're... A, maybe a better chance of doing something um, in terms of the URC and, and getting silverware this year than the likes of the Sharks and others from that. Um, I'd be very surprised to see the Sharks come back from this completely now. It's going to be interesting though to see, I suppose, that contrast between them because like kind of play the Bulls this weekend. So, I mean, 
we're going to see exactly that. We're going to see exactly the contrast between what the Sharks are doing and the Bulls are doing. But just looking at, I suppose, Connacht again, first six games of the season, win over Ospreys, win over um, Glasgow, win against Ulster. We mentioned those three games coming up, those three away games, Edinburgh, Sharks and Bulls, because they were going to South Africa. Now, I will back Connacht in South Africa every single time. And as someone said in my Discord there, not there during the week, 60% of the time, it works every time. Um, we looked at those three games of Edinburgh, Sharks and Bulls, and we kind of said, you know, it probably should be targeting Edinburgh if you're going to get a win there. Now, bonus point loss away to Edinburgh, whatever, um, kind of a shitty way to, lo- to, to lose the game. And I don't mean the drop goal. I mean, putting themselves in that position for the drop goal to be an option. Like off everything they did those last couple of minutes against Edinburgh, they'll probably rue a little bit, probably could have been two points on the road there. But I mean, they're already four points, um, or sorry, five points now out of 10. They go against Bulls, like they get a point or two here. Like yeah, I think me, for, me, for me, I think if you look at those three away games, you're looking at maybe seven, eight points. Or, well, seven points, like um, seven to 10 points that's a huge return like so Connacht are having an absolutely fabulous start to the season and you compare that to the start to the season and the timetable they had or the what is it fixture list they had last season where you wouldn't put your worst enemy in it and they're just quietly going about yeah well you would but you're quietly just kind of they're quietly just kind of going about their business really early on in the season and the business end of this season, like you look at the last couple of games they have, their last game is Leinster away. The one before that, Stormers at home. The one before that, Munster away. Like it's a tough three game finish to this season for Connacht where they can kind of turn around. Let's say during the season, they'll still get a few wins here and there, obviously, like, you know, as the season goes on. But like you'll get to the business end of that season and you look back to the first five rounds and you say, well, you know, maybe even six rounds against the Bulls. But you're just kind of like, you know, quietly doing the business now. That really carries across to the end of the season. And, you know, even if you drop that, let's say those last three games, let's say you only win one. You can kind of say, well, we've done the business now. or You know, we're in a good place, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, it's a it's a fight for top eight this year. It's a flat out top eight and not top seven. But like Connacht have just put themselves in a really good position, not only to challenge in top eight, but to challenge maybe for top four for I think um, it's it's very impressive that they've done it like I know Bielham came back for this one but they've also done it without Mac Hansen and um Bondiaki. Yeah. You know they've they, they've got those to, to come back in over the over the next couple of weeks when they'll have Leinster at home and then they're into the, the European side of things. So they'll they've rotated in nice players like I think they've got good experience for the likes of Hawkshaw, uh Will Riley at Scrum half um, I'm trying to think who else was they've um they've got good rotation in the back row now they've they've developed more depth I think over the the start of this um campaign and they have a chance it'll be interesting to see how that's this stretch from here till sort of the end of the European campaign how they deal with that uh, and manage manage it but they it's a it's a very good start I think. This week it's what Bulls are fourth, Connacht are seventh. Connacht going to the high belt, weather against them. Connacht are fourth. 
Oh, sorry, Connacht are fourth. Um, Bulls are seventh. I think it's. Um, I think this is too much for Connacht. I can see them taking a, a bit of a, a beating on this one. I think this could be just a step too far. Um, I think they're going to take maybe a ten point plus loss on this. I think they'll be doing very well to get the losing bonus point. And like, that sounds like disrespectful to Connacht, but I think they've done really well over the last block of games. And I think that it's very hard going on to the high belt to play the Bulls. Like, especially with the heat that's going to be there. It's going to be very, very difficult. And the Bulls are going very well. Um, it's going to be a very physical game too. Um, I think Connacht would, doing, would be doing fantastic if they get the losing bonus point here. And if they were to win, that'll be one of the results of the season for any team, I think. I think you know where I'm going. Don't do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. They have five wins in South Africa. I'm doing it. We'll we'll catch up with Tom here now because we'll just go back real quickly. Um, Leicester versus Munster, who are you going for? I'm going to go with a um, Munster getting a losing bonus point. Pretty much in line then. Moving on then to the uh, the last one is Ulster. Um, Ulster won 24-17 against the Lions. I put this up after the match that you can look at Ulster's season and it's the exact same thing after before and after this uh, game. Is it You can either look at it in two ways. They have stumbled over the line yet again to get a win or that they're actually a team that's digging deep and eking out these wins. The both. Like they've had they've had four I, wins, I think it's, I think one it's loss. So, yeah. They've had four wins and one loss so far this this season. The loss was by two points against Connacht, and they haven't won a game by more than seven points yet this season. That's weird. I think yeah, I think though if you look at Ulster and what they've done this season, they're in four wins. Five games, a ton of rotation. That's like, it. Yeah. Like, like I think you look, you look at. I think do we speak about it last week? I'm not too sure, but like you look at the ten position alone. Like I mean, up to this season, it was essentially uh, Billy Burns has one leg. He's playing, whereas we're now put it's them out in the wheelchair. Yeah, it's almost everywhere now. Um, that we're seeing that rotation, like so. Um, I think considering the rotation they've done, I don't think they'll be too worried about the the score difference, to be honest with you. I think they'll just be really pleased that they're getting the job done and resting players at the same time. And trying, like, you put you put yourself in a position where suddenly, like, you are dependent on a certain halfback or a halfback partnership or maybe even a centre partnership or something. Well, like you build a team around certain guys, what happens when those guys are gone? Ulster are kind of now building with different partnerships, different, I suppose, depth chart. Like you look at the likes of Mike Lowry, how much has he played so far this season? Um, I actually don't know to the top of my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wish I'd picked someone I did know. <laughs> But like you even look at Burns and Flannery, for example, just swapping in and out, etc. Um, it's just good to see Ulster finally start to rotate that bit. Um, I think someone mentioned there last week during the Ulster game that they were surprised how heavy Ulster were playing off nine. 
I think it was a, a comms, but it was like, come on. I said, I said it. I've got a couple of Ulster fans in my uh, mentions saying I was talking bullshit on it, that they're one of the most expansive teams. That Ulster, one of the most expansive teams. Yeah. But uh, huh? are they? Not that. Are they? I I said it, it doesn't matter about conditions. Ulster play off nine. They play an awful lot off nine. I think that's fair to say. Um, as I say, I, I drew the wrath of a couple of Ulster fans for mentioning that. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around lately, but we'll move on. Um, but it's good to see Ulster use that rotation. And ultimately, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is I think if you say to McFarland, oh, you only won that game by three, he'll say, well, we won the game. If you say, oh, we only, you only won that game by four, he'll say, yeah, well, we won the game. And we've used a good number of players already so far this season. You're building, well, I, I would say you're building depth. Ulster, I don't think, have the biggest squad going considering the release numbers from last season and the incoming this season. But you're still building depth in areas. You're building that rotation and you're getting the wins while doing it. And like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like So you're, you're slowly building to that business end of the season. And again, a bit like Connacht, they're quietly going about their business. They're getting the, the wins and essentially that's all that really matters. Like Tough game against Glasgow though. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think the thing the thing for Ulster is they've they've got the wins and they'll be delighted that they've they've got the points. I think there are certain points last year where they would have lost maybe a couple more of those games instead of winning them by such tight margins. And they, they'll be they'll be over the moon with that. But I think they know they've got they've got tougher games coming up and they have to they have to start playing better to win those. And to be involved at the end of the season. Because again, Ulster are a little bit like Leinster in a way. That the that the league itself, the regular season, isn't where they need to prove themselves. It's at the end when they're in the playoffs. And while getting those wins gets them up the table, as we saw last year, like Connacht turned them over in the quarterfinal and that was the end of their season. They they need to, to sort of to continue to improve and prove that they can play against the, the better teams in both the league and in Europe to to try and win that silverware. They've got um, it's off has arrived. Everything on Ulster social media this this week has been about Belfast Airport and him arriving and putting on his new togs and walking out though. onto the pitch. You would though. You oh would, yeah, you just signed a World Cup winner. I am all over that. Um, and I think is, he'll definitely I've got, a, I've got a question yeah is Spicy Plum the worst nickname in rugby I was only thinking this during the week when I saw it up on the Ulster socials etc like at the airport with a Spicy Plum sign does he like that do you reckon I don't know like is it like that guy Harry Potter who plays for Leicester where it's constant jokes and you're just like okay I get it. It's like spicy plum. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue either, does it? Yeah, just that whenever I've heard it, I'm just like, oh, it's spicy plum. And I was like, yeah, yeah. what? <laughs> what the fuck is this? What? Like, is it, this, you think this is cool? <laughs> it's like, it's lame as fucking nickname. My God. Yeah, but if, if I did sign Stephen Kitchoff, I am literally posting about it all the time. 
like team socials, my own socials. Like I'm texting my friends. Hey, guys, getting, getting, out you, the, getting out of the burners. Can you post this, please? Can you just post a picture of, of Kitchoff and call him a cool nickname? Like you would. You just you just would. Um, where were we? Um, Ulster against Glasgow. Uh, second against third in the table. Tough one. Um, Glasgow. Saturday, very I think well. it's Saturday evening, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that is going to be so spicy. Half seven. So it's it's just before the actually yeah it clashes slightly with the Munster Ulster uh, Munster Leinster game. Classic. Yeah. Brilliant. That's a that's a, that's a rouge from Glasgow. I don't know why. I like I thought something would come to me and it didn't. So let's just move on. We let it that out. Uh, Glasgow. <laughs> Genu- genuinely, I was like, something will come to me. Nothing came. I was like, right, we'll move, <laughs> move on. Um, who are we going for in this? Glasgow. I think Ulster will do very well to get a losing bonus point. This one, I think uh, it's going to be a great game though. But I just see Glasgow having a little bit too much for them. I think at Glasgow win. I think it'll be hugely physical. Glasgow to uh, put in a, a few high challenges. Glasgow? No. Glasgow? What? No. no. HIA is in a Glasgow game. No. What? It's unheard of. Could never, never happen. Next uh, list yeah, letter on the way. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to get some correspondence from from a foreign solicitor. Yeah, like um, a <laughs> from abroad. He's Scottish, but he speaks in a Scottish accent and all too. How cool is that? Would you read the letter in a Scottish accent in your head? <laughs> Try to. <laughs> yes, I would actually. Yeah, <laughs> we can frame it and put it up on the wall in the peace time offices. Next to um, our first Next international. Year. Yeah, the rest all come from one location. It'll be nice to have a second location. Yeah, a new a new a new postcode. Be lovely. <laughs> Soon in a different jurisdiction. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to go for Glasgow as well. In in that, I think Glasgow by about five points. You fell way behind in the last couple of weeks. I know I didn't get my my selections in. Uh, yeah. I presume I've I've picked Ealing and uh, Jersey Reds probably. I don't even think <laughs> I don't even think, to me. Didn't even do that. We gave you selection. We just we like picked whoever lost and was like, yeah, you had them. Yeah, that's what you had. <laughs> no changes there then. Um, picking yeah. losing sides. Uh, other one that we want to discuss this week is the Celtic Challenge, the women's uh, version almost of the Heineken Cup, the IRFU putting in a combined provinces team. How is uh, is is that different from? How is that different from Ireland? <laughs> well, Ireland normally just put in the Leinster team. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry. That's how it's different. Yeah, I, I'm surprised I have to explain this. <laughs> And who are they playing? It's uh, Wales and Scotland. They're all putting in two teams, two developmental teams. Now, I say developmental. Last year, it was meant to be developmental as well. And Ireland just decided we're going to go fucking gung-ho in this and blitz everyone. And you're just kind of like, hmm, okay. And then they went into the Six Nations and scored three tries. So it... Hopefully this year it is actually used as a developmental. We were actually talking about it over in the Discord there during the week. Like, I mean, 
even even for sake of argument, like the Wales team are hope are hoping they're hosting open trials, um, for players playing like um all Welsh qualified players in Welsh domestic rugby or English Premiership and Championship can um can show up to these open trials, and you would just hope that Ireland use it as a developmental. I suppose opportunity as well. Yeah, you, you hope. Than a, like last year was almost like a priming for the Six Nations, saying we're going to use this to get ready for the Six Nations. Get some dubs on the board. <laughs> but you're playing not against Six Nations level teams. But I mean, we've just come off the back of the WXV3 where Ireland won, etc. Six Nations usually important in terms of going up to WX2, WXV2. And suddenly you have this kind of combined provinces. Well, not suddenly. I know it happened in January this year as well. Like, but it's it's back again. You would just hope though that it's used to build depth rather than saying, let's say, for it's the likes one. of Linda Jugang for fucking five games. Or well, yeah. obviously it wouldn't be like, but you know what I mean. Um, let's just give her every minute from Basically, both sides. Let, let's build cohesion with the Six Nations team. Yeah. And uh, then you end up building cohesion against teams that are nowhere near what you'd be playing in Six Nations. You're just like, what? How did this happen? Well, I I would hope that the RFU look at this and maybe pick people who maybe live and play their rugby somewhere outside of the M50 um, and look to include them uh, within that as it is, as you said, a, a development uh, thing I think the the fixtures and the teams and the the times of the, the the games are due to be released in what two or three weeks time so yeah from what, from what I could see yeah and also there was actually um a couple of weeks ago you know we were talking about the WXV3 that win being mm. meant promoted it actually doesn't um so it goes into a the uh, a qualifier Again, so we got that wrong. But like, I mean, it was the second row who got onto me about it, and or got onto us, I think. And uh, it's just Colin Paul O'Connell. It's Colin Paul O'Connell, and um, he got a poor got onto me anyway about it. And it turns out, yeah, we were wrong. But like anywhere I looked, like I, I think I looked at four or five different sources, and they all just said promotion. And then on the actual WXV website i couldn't actually find information on it so we got that wrong um but obviously it wasn't intentional but even looking at this um celtic challenge again i mean it's 11 weeks of competition like starting in mid-december so it will lead the whole way up to the six nations etc um but again you just wonder how it's going to be fed team-wise i suppose we've covered that already like but just hopefully it Hopefully, doing well in it this year doesn't. How will that impact the AIL? Oh, horribly. Quite, well. quite substantially, I would imagine. Horribly. <laughs> Absolutely horribly. Like, you look at the selections that come from, again, your, let's say, BlackRock, just for the sake of argument. Like, it's not really, um, well, yeah, it'll affect their AIL team, absolutely. But you look at their J team. Like, I mean, they have to fill the AIL team somehow, and that'll come from the players below, below that. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's really the those J teams like the Railway J, maybe Belleville, like they've good numbers, etc. Don't get me wrong, but I think that's where the real pinch will be felt. And 
again we'll see I suppose but yeah it is what it is I mean that's I suppose if you're well if you have players who are selected I was going to say if you're constantly producing these players that are selected it's probably the wrong language to put on it but like if you're if you're playing these players that are constantly selected etc or if you have these players on your books and they're getting constantly selected I mean it's a headache you know that you're going to have to deal with at some point Okay we'll round it up there folks thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to as it really helps and also be sure to share the podcast on social media Hope you have a good week and the three of us will be back next week to chat again. Mm-hmm.